Hi, my name's James Fowle and this is the Huxley Morton Podcast. I hope you're enjoying Series 3 so far. And before we jump back in for another episode, I'd love it if you could like, subscribe and hit that notification button as it really helps us to increase our reach. We run the show to both help and inspire those working in clinical research. So if there's anyone else that you think would benefit from tuning in, please spread the word. For now though, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Huxley Morton Podcast, the show where each week we speak to some of the world's most inspirational pharma leaders, um, innovators and suppliers. Um, this week I'm joined by my co-host Adam Walker. Adam is the yes, top biometric consultant you're ever likely to meet, in my opinion. Um, I'm also joined by Vidya Maharaj. Vidya is the Vice President of, of Clinical Operations at Regenerative Outcomes. Uh, but not only that, she is also the owner and executive chef at Dia Miami, the number one restaurant on Miami Beach right now. Um, so look, Vidya, a bit of an introduction there because there's so much to, to you. Welcome to the show. Uh, for Thank our you. audience, give us a, a bit of an overview of, of yourself and a, a quick introduction. Sure. Um, so I have a master's in epidemiology. I've worked in the federal, state, and local government here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, I've actually worked with CDC, so I was able to apply my degree, which I have a master's again in epidemiology. And then um, I've been in pharmaceutical research since... I would say 2013, so it's been mm -hmm. a long time. Started off as a CRA. Um, I really loved the field, the industry. I worked with small pharma, then moved my way up to big pharma. And uh, one of the most interesting things about that is that when you work with small pharma and small biotechs or CROs, you really get to understand everything in clinical research, especially if you're coming from a CRA research academia background. It's such a huge wealth of knowledge that you gain that it takes you you know, later on in life um, to the position that I'm in right now, which is, you know, the VP of Clinical Operations and Development. I can sit there, you know, and start R&D, you know, research and development from bench, from concept bench to approval to clinical trial management, you know? So that was, I mean, pretty much in a nutshell, that's my experience. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, my next job <laughs> is executive chef at my restaurant. It's a family owned restaurant that opened during the pandemic. And, um, you know, uh, I was, it was not intended for me to start. It's actually a family business, as I mentioned, mm. but um, I saw the need uh, for us all to come together to make this work, especially during the pandemic at the beginning of a pandemic. Um, and even though I was called back to CDC, um, you know, to work, uh, you know, they had some interest in me coming back to work um, at a um, government level or a state level. Um, I refused to because I, you know, I had my family best interests, um, you know, at that time. So that's what I've been doing. <laughs> wow. And I think that this is one of the things that struck me. And I actually was fortunate enough to meet uh, Adam just last week in person for the first time. And I think wow. I was mentioning it uh, then that I, I said that when I first, when you and I first spoke, I was kind of like, how on earth do you <laughs> even have time to, 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 to do these things? Because um, yeah, being a VP of, of CleanOps is quite a, <laughs> a stressful job. There's a lot on your plate, but then yes. I know that being a, a chef and running a business is incredibly stressful <laughs> and time consuming as well. And you're doing both. Yes, yes. I have a really great support system. Um, my husband is amazing. Um, he works from home. And um, I have one child. I have a daughter who I'm very, very proud of. And I'm sure that's another part of this. I'm not sure if Adam knows, but she is an artist. She's a singer. She's nine years old. And wow. she is an incredible singer um, on top of all of that, juggling her career as well at the same time. She has so, a career at the age of nine. She, she must be pretty good, I'm, I'm gathering. She is, yes. We have an acting coach, a vocal coach, and now she's, today we're submitting an audition that we've been preparing for that's huge. It's a huge, huge audition. I don't want to give it away um, because I don't, you know, I don't want to, you know, say too much, yeah. but it's a really big audition that would literally take her internationally. 
Like wow. everyone would know her name pretty much. So we just finished the, um, um, the videoing of that. And then today we're going to submit that as well. So it's been, you know, juggling. You've got a lot going on. You've got a heck of a lot going on. I, I'm, I'm gathering I that. It keeps me busy. I guess that's my personality, right? You want to be busy. You don't want to be bored. And I, I always hated being bored. You know, it's like at every time you, you know, any time of the day you see me, um, my only um, vice is, and I would say it's a vice, is one of these games where you play like Candy Crush. <laughs> it's like my relaxation, you know, where you just go there. <laughs> But other than that, other than that, I'm always on the computer doing templates or, um, you know, managing my daughter, help manage my daughter's career or making new recipes for the restaurant. So, you know, it's 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 a lot. And then I'm very, you know, big. I started becoming more active on social media. So I started doing some reels and, you know, things like that on Instagram, not TikTok, because that was just too complicated for me. So I stuck with Instagram. <laughs> but yeah, I've been, um, it keeps me busy. I, I, I love, I love my life, I, you know, and I love the fact that I have, again, a really great support system to help me through this. Um, you know, I'm surrounded by family on both sides, my husband's side and my side. Mm. So, you know, I feel really lucky about that. It's, it's, I'm still just struggling to take it all in, Adam. I don't know about you. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I see an awful lot of similarities, funnily enough, because, yeah, I'm a parent. I've got two teenage children. Um, and and as you say, you know, working, working heavily in clinical research, similar to you, I've had a similar sort of uh, experience, but in biometrics. So I've been doing that for 25 years in and around early phase, all phases, but but very similar to you. So, you know, learning those processes from the ground up and I'm, I'm sensing that's your, you know, that's your academic background. And then the other things seem to complement in and around your, your actual passions outside of your work. So, you know, you, you have various different uh, spheres of interest quite clearly <laughs> and, and, and areas of that, that keep you active. Yes, definitely. Look, to, to follow on from that, and I guess in true James Fowle fashion, I always like to kind of rewind and, and ask people how they got into the industry. Because I I know that you actually participated in, in a poll that I ran on LinkedIn uh, just recently, and it was a landslide victory for people that got into that clinical research by accident. Um, and Adam and I often speak to, to guests, and it's, it's very regularly by, by accident. Whereas Vidya, you were one of the few uh, who said it was planned. So talk us through, I guess, your your younger years. Mine was too, by the way. Mine was too. Mine was planned. <laughs> more, more, more connection, but go ahead. No, mine was definitely planned. And I can tell you the challenges and how many resumes I submitted to get, especially in the United States, um, getting into clinical research is, I would say, a needle in a hat and a haystack pretty much. Um, it's that difficult. I took a course where I had neurosurgeons, foreign doctors, um, you know, very highly educated medical professionals. And out of the group of like 12 of us from that course, only two of us got into clinical research and are still in clinical research. And the rest of them are not because I follow them on LinkedIn. Mm. That's the chances of getting into clinical research. And I literally sold myself to a very young and passionate and amazing um, woman who I interviewed with. And she saw that in me. And I can tell you, I got to know at first, but I kept I emailed her again. I got a note. And I was like, no, no, no. I need to get into this industry. This is the industry I want. I researched this industry. I found out about this industry through my sorority. I'm a founding mother of a, um, a sorority in the United States, or one of the largest um, sorority in the, in the country right now, South Asian sorority. Mm. And um, and uh, I know a lot of my, I knew a lot of my sisters were in this industry, the pharmaceutical industry, and I saw their growth, you know, the alumni, I saw their growth in this industry. And I said, that's what I want to be. I want to be a biotech pharmaceutical executive. Wow. 
that's what I said to myself. You manifested it. You made <laughs> it happen. You're making it happen every single day. It's, you know, sometimes you have to have that vision. And I had that vision and I stuck with it. And there were so many no's when I submitted after doing the course. And um, there were so many people that um, I got rejected by because I pretty much, you know, um, I took the course, I excelled at it, I really understood it. And it's just, it didn't happen. It didn't happen for me. But this one person, this one lady, and I will never forget her name, I'll never forget her. Um, it was a small CRO based here in Miami. And I interviewed for the job and I didn't have the experience that they needed. But I you know, and I got a note and then I emailed her and I said, listen, I'm a fast learner. Um, you know, and I give her the whole, you know, the whole the big talk. Sell. Yep. Yes, the big sell. And um, she said, I'll give you a chance. I'll give you a month and see how you do. Within that month, I worked nonstop. I already, you know, had the training to be a CRA because I took the certification and the courses. So I was very familiar. And I tell you that I literally worked harder than anyone else for that month and then right after that month I was put on site because they saw that I had the passion and I had the knowledge and that's how it started for me I think that's, that's the thing. you do you do sometimes you just have to go out there and get it and not take no for an answer and it's funny you, you mentioned about the, the amount of applications. Uh, I was recently reading various articles, you know, in the recruitment world and for clinical researchers trying to break into the market, I think it's the average is about 200 submissions of, of resumes, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think, I think I applied for about 450 jobs before I got my first one. Uh, it took about six months. I remember it being a full-time job, similar to you, Vidya. Um, I spent most of my time in a university careers library speaking to careers people. Um, but specifically, there were there were a number of different publications I used all the time. In the UK, we have this thing called New Scientist. And I just applied to every single job that there was in New Scientist. And over a period of time, I honed, I honed a CV and an application process. But also, I think, to your point, I decided what it was I wanted to go for. And I then became laser sharp focused around that particular point. Um, very similar to you, actually. Very similar experience. And to your point, James, you know, I think it's a highly competitive field. It's got more and more difficult to get into. Um, yes. And that, you know, that also speaks to the point. People want to work in this industry, but passionate people want to work in this industry because you don't go into this for an easy life. That's for sure, isn't it? It's not, definitely not. And and as you said, you know, you got to be laser focused and you really have to know what you want. And, um, you know, I had just had my daughter. So it took me a year and a half. And while I was pregnant, you know, I, I, I did the course like I was like seven months pregnant. <laughs> I did the course. It was a two month course. Right after I finished, I gave birth. And um, I said, I am going to get a job in this industry. And I worked and worked and worked and worked. And then six months after, you know, um, it took me six months of just applying nonstop, nonstop. It was no, no, no. And then I found this CRO again here in, in Miami. And I said, let me go for it. And, and that was it, you know? And uh, a lot of times I, you know, um, I, I give jobs to people who I feel is, you know, I, I employ people who I feel like has a passion. And one of my friends told me, why are you going to make it so easy for them? They've never had that experience. You know how difficult it is to get into this industry. And I said, why should my actions, you know, be, you know, why should I do that? Why should I punish someone? Because I had a hard time getting into the industry. You know, that's for me, it's karma. It's all about karma. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you know what I'm going to say, James. You know what I'm going to say. I don't even need to say it. You know what I'm going to say. We've, <laughs> we've done enough of these already. You know what I'm going to say. Go for it. Take it away, Adam. Go on. You put out, you, you get back what you put, it, put out. It's yes. as simple as that. I, I live by that. I live by that principle. That. I mean, my goodness me, James and I, we talk about it all the time. Yes. We talked about it with so many different... Um, people that we've interviewed but your principles absolutely define you yes. our principles define ourselves but also what we see and what we're 
the, the people that we're speaking to, like yourself, you know, they all have this common thread that runs through them, which is you will give back to the industry that gave you that opportunity. I do it. I'm, I'm mentoring students to, at, my, at my alumni university for the same reason. I want to give people that opportunity as well. I yeah. posted about it exactly this week on LinkedIn <laughs> and it's gone absolutely mad, mad because because everyone that I think I connect with connects with me and gets it. And clearly you have a very similar principle to the things that you do for the same reason. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I can tell you again, the, you know, the disappointment and getting those rejection letters when you know that you can do this, you know, you, you, and then one of the scariest things is that I got out of the industry for a little bit and to get back in, oh my goodness. I mean, people would just like, you're overqualified. My recruiters would be like, do not say this, do not put this on your resume. And I just felt like I, I had to lie to get back into the industry, whereas I was at a very high level in the government and no one wanted me to get back into the industry because I was overqualified. And once I got back into the industry, it was just like, I just, I hit the road running. I mean, I was just literally in a race car and people were like, I'm like, you're not going to step in my way. <laughs> and it happened, you know, but it's just people are just so, uh, they're, they're just, I, I'm, I, I just, I'm lost for words sometimes, the type of people that you, you know, you come across in this industry. It's just like, I'm not going to do that for you, or I'm not going to help you. You know how difficult time I had? And I just hate that. I hate that so much. And I think with, with your mentality, Vidya, probably like Adam and I, you find it so just hard to believe that people are like that when your yes. mentality is not like that it, yes. it's almost just like, i can't even contemplate it. i just I, I don't understand it you know we've as a business we've just hired three people that have never done recruitment before um and you know we're trying to teach them the way that we do it and i i like that it's it, for me it's even more rewarding um so right. i think you, you have to give back and as adam says look what you put out will, will come back um to you tenfold um, so look, on that note, you got back into the industry, you've been flying, I saw recently that it was, you know, your promotion to, to VP level, um, yeah. you know, you've, I believe that, you know, business is going well on that side of thing, I'll let you touch on that in a minute, but, you know, how are things going uh, with the pharma side of things, but also, tell us about <laughs> this idea to then start a restaurant during COVID, you know, to, how are things going on both sides of, of your businesses um, right now, Vidya? Well, I can say right now in the industry, the pharmaceutical industry, we work with very, with small biotech companies and giving them a voice in front of the FDA and competing with big pharma to, you know, to get their products out there approved. Um, so we really try to minimize their cost at whatever, um, you know, wherever we can, we look at that, we look at the concept. And from the concept all the way to submission, we, you know, we have strategies in place to keep that client within a certain budget that's realistic. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one of the main things, you know, we work with. And our industry is regenerative medicine, cell therapy, gene therapy, which is extremely competitive as well. You know, when you look at big pharma and small biotechs, they normally don't have a voice. A lot of them recently because of the FDA, um, you know, um, uh, guidance to, you know, regulate um, regenerative medicine therapies have closed down because they're not able to, you know, get the funding to get their research out there. Um, but, you know, luckily we have some clients who, you know, at the beginning were very realistic. If you want to go all the way, this is the amount of money, this is the amount of funding you need to have. Mm -hmm. And I think if you're upfront with your customers, with your clients, and you let them know you've got to be realistic, this is what it's going to take. If you don't have an investor, try to get grants. If you don't, then it's not going to work. Um, in my industry, in, in, in the industry that I represent right now, I see a lot of consultants just taking advantage of these small biotechs, you know, um, charging them 
huge, huge, huge monthly, um, you know, consulting fees, and then not really delivering an ideal protocol that you can submit to the FDA. I mean, I've had a client where he had a three page protocol for a phase one safety study, mm -hmm. PI generated study. Obviously, he got ripped off. <laughs> okay, James. So, 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 um, case in point here, the point is I've never seen a protocol that's been less than what? I don't know, 50, 70, 80 pages, something like that. Exactly. Certainly early phase, early phase, wow. 100 pages plus, because there's a lot of detail, pharmacological information, background. You know, it has to form the basis of a investigator brochure. Protocol. There's all exactly. sorts of very specifically that wouldn't even cover the schedule of visits would it Vidya? no not really? even not even the schedule not even the the synopsis not no, even no, no. exclusion inclusion uh, criteria title page i mean yeah exactly <laughs> we could we could go through the you know the the standard protocol and, and really yeah i mean it just wouldn't Nothing. it wouldn't fly it wouldn't fly so Nothing. they're being ripped off basically that's yeah. that, that's the bottom line so and it's so, very common in this industry here and um oh. you know that's one of the things when you have these you know amazing um therapies and interventions but then you're just stuck with it and then because of regulations you cannot you just cannot um you know fund it you know that's that's staggering that really is staggering it yeah it really reminds me of a conversation we had very recently with a guy called dr ian white do you remember james i do um, and, and, and neobiosis remember ian white because you i, I, I i'm not sure if He's i a good friend of mine. is he really <laughs> oh my god well like i said you put out what you get back what a guy what a guy He's an amazing person. He's wow. a really good friend of mine. And um, yes, I've worked with him before. Well, I'm not surprised because he's a spectacular individual. And if you're associated with his work, then we are all speaking from the same page. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, yes. so, so we interviewed him very recently. And many of the many of the points that you've made are, are his experiences. And actually, I I'm glad you know him. I'm glad you know him. From Ian's side of things, he told us, you know, he had a, you know, got a young family now, but he was, you know, working in the office till all hours, sleeping in the office, you know, uh, went through things of, of buying his dream car, selling his dream car. You know, that man was just so inspirational. And, you know, he emailed me after the show just saying, we barely even scratched the surface. I didn't tell you about this. I didn't tell you about this. And I was like, what? <laughs> So I'm going to hold those those snippets um, until yeah. you can perhaps have to get him back on for another show because he he was great, Vidra, and it sounds like there's a lot to, to yourself um, as well. So that we, you've covered the, the farmer side of things there, uh, but obviously there's there's another passion of yours, which is uh, the family, you know, clearly family, your daughter, um, cooking. Tell us about that and, and where this crazy idea came from to start <laughs> A new restaurant mid-COVID, where I, I know that the restrictions in uh, Florida were not as harsh as what they have been over here in, in the UK. But talk us through that experience and, and yeah, the, the challenges that you faced on that side of things. So um, the restaurant was my brother's idea. They were originally the one who came up with the idea and they put the money down and they did everything. Mm -hmm. um, I was traveling once a week because of my job and um, for their soft opening, I attended their, um, you know, the event and from just looking at the menu and tasting the items, I'm like, oh my goodness they're going to be, it's going to be a nightmare. They're going to lose everything. They're going to lose hundreds of thousands of dollars that they just invested in this restaurant. This how, was in January. How, how did you, um, I hope you're going to cover how you approach that with them. Oh, they were happy because they had asked me in November of 2019 that they're going to buy a restaurant and they want me to be the chef. And I told them, no, I'm in the middle of my career. I'm about to, you know, I, as I said, I'm very laser focused. I knew what I wanted and I would, I was not going to have anyone stop me. And, um, and I told him, no, I said, 
you know, I just can't right now. I have to think about my family. I have to think about my daughter's career, which, you know, on a monthly basis costs me a lot of money. Um, and I just said, I just need this. I need to do this. And they were how, like, okay, how find someone. How did, how did they react to that initial flat kind of door, door in the face? Just no. No, they were understanding because I've always helped them in the past. Um, any business that my parents own, I'm, you know, I'm sort of like an advisor. I help them come up. I'm very good with document um, creation and templates. And, you know, um, I'm very business savvy, people tell me. I'm a scientist, but I, people always, my husband especially tells me, you should be. And from the moment he met me, he's like, you should be someone running a company. And I've always taken that role in my family's businesses um, to kind of like be there and advising and helping along the way while doing my own career. So this was not something new for me. And they knew that for me to say no means like I'm really like focused on doing what I need to do because I've never said no to them before. And they were very understanding. Um, he went out there, my brothers went out there, both of them, and they found a chef, um, very young, energetic, you know, really nice guy who started working with us. And um, it, we just didn't have enough staff to get it to the next level. Um, he needed help. He needed someone to come in and help him because this was his first time, you know, really um, being the head of a kitchen and, um, you know, as I said, I love, you know, leadership roles, taking that challenge and, and making things happen. And the fact that I, my brothers knew that I can cook, <laughs> you know, it was just like, anytime now, if you know, if you'd like to join. Um, and during the soft opening, I just said to myself, I'm not a, going to allow my family to lose everything they have worked all these years for. Um, and, uh, you know, and I just, uh, in January, I said, okay, give me three days. I'll redo the menu. I called my job and I said, I have a family emergency. <laughs> I need three days off. It was a Tuesday and then Friday we had our launch. And um, that's pretty much, I did the whole menu on the way home. Um, I did the whole menu. I did the desserts. I made, you know, things that I didn't even Google. I just literally like, you know, did some fusion in my head and my husband was like she made this whole menu on the way home after the soft opening and I told my brother the next day just get me this this and this and he was so super excited he was like oh my god he was just like happy he's like yes I'll get this 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 I'll have everyone ready for you and we were ready on a Friday to do a launch again so Absolutely incredible, <laughs> Adam. She's certainly someone that I'd like to have on, on my team for, for anything that I was ever. Well, doing. I, I, as I say, you, you know, if you need something done, ask a busy person to do it. That's the point, <laughs> isn't it? That's the principle you're showing us here. But also, I think um, on, on a scale, on a scale of you know, busy to super busy, it sounds like you're doing a full time job and then you're doing another full time job, <laughs> and somewhere in between, you're also parenting when do you get the time to sleep i mean i'm exhausted just <laughs> listening listening to it it's incredible because you're an in, you are an absolute bundle of energy it's quite clear you have enthusiasm and uh, passion running through your veins for everything that you do but i think you know what you're describing also is that you're not going to let your family down and you're certainly not going to let anyone fail if you can implement some action that's going to facilitate a better outcome well, I mean, I am, you know, I try to find a time. I'm not going to say I'm not exhausted because sometimes my nights are really long and I leave the line, literally the kitchen at 11, 30, 12 o'clock. I live an hour away, 40 minutes to an hour, depending on traffic. So I drive, you know, every day to go back and forth to the restaurants once I'm finished my daytime job. Wow. Sometimes I work from home. And then I go to the restaurant and sometimes I work from the restaurant and then I start at six o'clock um, in the kitchen. So, I mean, you know, I have been able to sort of like find that balance during the pandemic, because as I said, um, the restaurant started in January of last year. And that's when I started working as executive chef and also having a job in pharma. And I sort of like, you know, got 
used to, you know, juggling those two jobs and knowing my priorities and setting my day up. I can tell you my day started off at seven this morning. My daughter had to go to camp because she has theater camp. So I got up, I made her breakfast. Um, I made um, dinner already for her vocal coach because that was my gift to her. I'm not gonna be here, but I'm, dinner is already prepared. <laughs> I had like six meetings. I had an IRB meeting yesterday that I had to get some documents um, submitted because the FDA approved us to start enrollment again. So that was sent out. Then I had my executive meetings with my clients on an executive level. We have meetings on Thursdays. And then um, this, preparing for this, and then after this, I'm gonna take an Uber to work, <laughs> to the restaurant and then continue. And I take my computer with me. So like, if it's not busy, I'm in the office working, finishing up stuff. So, you know, I have that, you know, that um, I get, I'm used to it, you know, that way of thinking of what is a priority, what needs to get done. And it's not just me. Um, I do have people that work with me, both at the restaurant and also, you know, at um, my company, um, Regenerative, Regenerative Outcomes that help me. They understand, like, if I ask for something, you know, they're like, okay, she needs this, we'll get this to her. So I do have a great support system when it comes to professionally and, you know, at home. But dare I, dare I say it? It sounds like you don't sweat the small stuff. You 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 know you're you're taking the the bigger view, aren't you? You're you're up here somewhere. You're in the clouds. You're <laughs> advising your minions to do the things that one pair of hands can't do. You know there are things that, as an executive, whether it be in clinical research or in a restaurant setting, there are things that people can do. They can do the sources. They can do the reductions. They can do all these things, and then you are the magic that puts it all together and puts it on the plate and chef i'm assuming well, yes that is true but you know recently i um so one of my aunt um came by for dinner and she was like you know a lot of people just think that i don't really work right they have this this knowledge they just thinking that this notion that oh she just you know she just pulls the string so she came in and i was drenched from being behind the the line the whole night and that's typically what it is for me even though i have people who do the sauces and people who do um expo or anyone that does the prep um you know actually getting the food on the table to the customers is one mm -hmm. of my passion i make sure that everything tastes the way it's supposed to taste and look the way it's supposed to look and customer service is our number one priority in the restaurant as well so you know just just really focus on that after hours is it takes a lot of energy out of me sometimes and um you know she was quite surprised my aunt when she came and I was like drenched like literally I just ran like three miles non-stop and she was like I, I didn't think that you actually got dirty. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what do you do? Drink all day, which it looks like I do because I have to taste the cocktails, right? So <laughs> that's why you get in the Uber. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I'm always like posting these pictures of me like cheers, TGIF, you know, throwback Thursday, whatever. And people are like, oh, she just enjoys her life and she's just drinking at the restaurant, enjoying herself. Well, she has people working for her, but the majority of it, I would say, um, I do 75% of the work both uh, um, you know, in the restaurant and also, um, you know, at Regenerative Outcomes. I oversee everything. Um, but I do have a great support system to help it's, me with that. It sounds like you, you need it, uh, Vigil, with all that going on. I guess all I'm thinking of is where, it was the same when, when we discussed with, with Ian, uh, Adam, where does this energy and mindset come from? Was it you know, is it something from your parents? Where, you know, is it that, you know, just wanting to be a, a good role model for your daughter? Where, where is this energy coming from? Because I think there's a lot of people that love the idea of doing what you're doing, but I'm sure if they did it for a week, a couple of days, they would soon hit that harsh reality of being drenched and think, actually, I'm, I'm not quite cut out for this. I, I might just stick to the single job, not, yeah. not the three jobs. <laughs> 
Well, you actually said it. Um, it's both my parents and also being a role model for my daughter. Um, you know, um, my dad has Parkinson. He's in the last stage of Parkinson, which is really sad for me to see because it's it takes a toll on our family. And um, he's worked all his life to give us the best. I lived a very privileged life, I can say. Um, and I say it all the time. And um, I can thank him for that, right? And part of me being here always with him and not moving out of Miami um, was one of the reasons that um, I stayed was because of him. I had so many opportunities with, you know, six-figure jobs since, you know, 2015 offered to me and I turned it down, um, you know, because I wanted to be here with him because I knew the sacrifice he made and I don't judge anyone, you know, um, I don't judge people making decisions, life decisions. For me, this was my life decision to be with him at this stage in his life when he needed me the most. And um, and also to be a role model for my daughter. Um, she is, you know, wanting to enter an industry that's extremely competitive and difficult, which is, you know, um, being an artist, a singer, an actress, you know, she wants to do Broadway. and. I cannot imagine and I dread the the rejections she's going to get. Even from submission today, I am dreading the rejection she may receive, you know, in the next few weeks if this is something that she really wants. But my whole goal for her um, is to accept those rejections and make it a strength and move on. You know, and I always tell her this, mommy's not home because mommy's not a quitter. You know, we do spend a lot of time. She comes to the restaurant. Do I try to make time for her? That's one thing. It's a priority for me. Um, even though I'm extremely busy, I do try to make time for her. And, um, and you know, I want to show her that I can do it all, you know, and, and regardless of all the rejections in the past and the failures that I've had, it's part of my journey. And that will be part of her journey as well, because she will be rejected. There will be a lot of that in this industry she's entering into. Mm -hmm. And I want her to be that strong, you know, motivated young woman um, who can conquer that and be extremely successful. So it's a combination for me. Vidya, you, you, you mentioned something there that really struck a real chord with me. Um, most people that I know in our industry are doing it for a personal, a personal drive. And my personal drive is very similar to yours, actually, because my father also has, you know, a debilitating illness. He had a stroke 12 years ago. And my grandmother before had rheumatoid arthritis and lived with it for 35 years in all sorts of manner of pain. And I know that this is what drives us to do better for other people whether it's through our family or through patients generally or participants in clinical trials but there has to be something deeper that drives you and I think James you asked the question and 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 I can only thank you for your openness and honesty around that because mm. I think our listeners will identify with that more than anything else is that there is a again another common thread that runs through so many people that we are talking to and talk to and it's their inner drive what gets them out of bed in the morning what is the thing that drives them more than anything else and you've given us that you know you've absolutely described that so beautifully and and I can only thank you for being so open and honest about that because you know it really it really did tug tug at tug at my heartstrings because I just identify with that so closely myself I think what I like to like about it as well is you, you're quite open about the fact that, you know, you, you had maybe a, a privileged upbringing, but you have by far from shied away from hard work, you know, and that's just a massive credit to you. Um, but look, I know that all of this success, um, just from when you and I have spoken off air, has not come without its, its challenges. Um, and there's all those things that you have to deal with um, along the way. Um, I know that you've had I guess you know acts of jealousy and, and things like this because yeah. people are seeing you know perhaps you on uh, Instagram with the you know uh, TGIF and you know all of these things so look could, could you just share for our audience I guess some of the challenges that you've faced how you've dealt with them um, and I guess what that's you know taught you about yourself and, and your ability to do so really 
Yeah, I mean, there's so many stories. Um, I can tell you of two recent ones. Um, you know, I had this one chef that worked with me and I did a lot for him and his family, knowing that, you know, um, you know, chef life is not easy. I have a newfound um, respect for chef life. I mean, anyone who's a chef or works in a kitchen, it is the most difficult job, hardworking job anyone can have. It's very demanding. And again, as I said, a lot of people don't understand that, you know, they don't, you know, respect, you know, the career pretty much. And it's an awareness that I wanted to bring to everyone. Like it, this is a really hard job. It is. And not a lot of people can do it. I mean, I am able to be an executive chef. And I think it's because of my ability to lead and motivate, right? Um, I'm able to grow a team. But in the past, having people sort of like me step back and have people take that role, they who's been in the industry for 20 plus years, we're not able to do that. Um, anyhow, back to the story about this one chef. And, um, you know, I he, he told me, oh, you know, I consider you like a sister, whatever, you know, and um, I helped him a lot. And it was just, you know, I guess he found out that I, I gave, became VP of, you know, the company that I work with now. And um, it was right around my birthday. And I told him, I said, because I need two head chefs to run the restaurant when I'm away. You definitely need two head chefs. So I told him, um, I'm leaving, I'm going um, on a work trip and then, you know, business, um, business and then um, for my birthday. And he looked at me in the eye and this was Thursday. And he said, don't worry, sister, I'll be here for you. And um, I'm like, thank you, you know, I'm, this is my first real vacation. And during my vacation, apparently he just did not show up the next day. And they were scared to tell me this because they knew I would cancel my vacation and come back. And um, he just did not show up. He just literally just quit, walked out, did not tell anyone anything. And he had no arguments with anyone, nothing, nothing. And um and that just is it is it still a mystery or have you heard, have you heard from him since or well i think i heard people like someone very close to him came back and told me that it was definitely you know he i think he you know he's been in a chef for a very long time and you're not and you know um there was some jealousy there, you know, um, you know, you open a restaurant and very successful. He's failed at that. He's never, he's always wanted to do that. And he was not able to, and he spoke of me in a very negative way when I've done so much for him and his family. And I've always treated him fairly and I decreased his workload. I decreased his hours and I increased his pay. <laughs> wow. I mean, normally in this industry, you do, you know. That's, yeah, that's pretty unheard of. How, that must have. It hurt, yeah. Grateful. Yeah, how did you feel at that time? What was going through your head? Well, I think for me, it's um, it's just picking up the pieces and moving on, you know. Um, I don't have the time to sit down and feel sorry for myself or for someone else. I mean, it really doesn't do anyone any good especially when I have to be the face and lead this restaurant and keep it at a 4.6 on four and a 4.8 you know um rating you know in the service and the food quality I mean I just cannot worry about other people and what you know they think or they feel like mm. I feel like in life if we were to do that then we'll all be, you know, we will not be where we want to be, you know, we will not be able to succeed. And I have this mentality, I do not have time to think about gossip. I just don't have the time. I don't have the time to worry about other people's business, gossip or anything. I am so busy during the day. I'm so busy from four in the morning to 1130 at night. There is no place in that in my schedule for anything else I don't you know except and again I you know I'm very family oriented I you know I'm very involved in my dad's life making sure that he gets the right treatment and you know he gets the right care that he needs 
My mom has been taking care of him for 30 plus years now. So she's also, he's had early onset Parkinson. So it's been a very long road for us. Um, so she is very tired. So taking care of her and making sure her needs are met, you know, and then my family, my daughter and my husband. So for me, I think this is the problem with people. <laughs> When you don't have enough to think about and you have idle time, I feel as if that's when you're all in into other people's business. Keep yourself busy. Then you're not going to have to worry about that. <laughs> Amazing. I think what you've done there, Vidya. And yeah, I guess to, to those looking out on the social media side of things, they're only seeing a snippet of your life, which is the highlight reel. But behind the scenes, there is so much bloody work going on. Uh, yeah and challenges and struggles and, and things that is it's just unreal um, there is an analogy that i would call upon it, it's the swan isn't it on the surface the swan is floating underneath the water the swan is paddling very very hard but the the view that you see from the top of the water is very different to what you see beneath the water and i, I think that's really what you're describing but yeah yeah, definitely. And, you know, again, this, the challenges does not stop in just in my restaurant industry and, in, you know, my restaurant business, being in the pharmaceutical industry and excelling so quickly and people not recognizing that, you know, potential there is one of the other challenges that I've had to face in the last two, three years. But I can tell you recently, um, you know, people have started to notice it and started to, you know, um, you know, reward me for that, you know, because it's, it's the work quality, you know, it's getting the work done. And I find like in this industry, um, you know, especially in big pharma, you get lost sometimes, you know, and that was my whole thing of moving into small um, pharma and biotech is because I wanted to make a difference. I could not make a difference in big pharma. I was just there lost doing, working 24 seven. And I just, I was just lost, you know, and I wasn't getting the recognition I needed or, you know, the titles. I was not given the titles. Why are we not given the titles in big pharma? Because when you get the title, you got to get the... <laughs> Like you know, that. and they keep you down there because of that. And that's one of the reasons in in the clinical research world, you see a lot of people with the same title for years. And I cannot stand that. I just cannot stand that. So for me, it was moving away from that. I'll tell you what my antidote to the titles are. And, and you probably don't want to hear this, but, but I'll <laughs> tell you anyway. Um, I had some nice titles, but actually I, I wasn't very happy when I had those titles. I'm happier being an independent person, an independent consultant that sells my time and my effort and my professional capabilities as opposed to the title. But that's just flipping your comment on its head, really, because there, I, I don't want to say what will happen to you, but certainly a few years down the line, you may well look at that slightly differently because what you have is something tangible and valuable. And you are valuable, as you well know. I don't need to tell you that. You are extremely valuable, but you are incredibly valuable to the, to the, to the pharmaceutical industry because of your skill set and because of your capabilities and because of that brilliant mind that you have and the ability to spin the multiple plates that you're doing all the time. And there will come a realization, I'm sure. It may <laughs> not be today, but there will come that time. And this is another conversation, as we say, James, another conversation for another day. But you know, you know to be I was thinking the same thing. I had a similar conversation with someone who's I guess got a similar kind of profile and, and energy as yourself the other day, Vidya. Uh, she's looking at, you know, kind of exec level jobs. Uh, and she described what she was looking for. And I just said, I don't want to talk myself out of potential business here. I'm a recruiter. That's what I do. I, I get people jobs. But I said, you, sh you shouldn't go and try and get a job for me. You should probably just start your own business um, because that's, that's what I say. I mean, you're already doing it on the, the chefing side of things, uh, but right now you are you know, a massive asset to regenerative outcomes, clearly. Um, so look, on, that, on the note of regenerative outcomes and the business, look, what's, what's next for you guys? What's, what's the plans for, for uh, the, you know, the pharma business, uh, for the uh, restaurant, and for, and for you as an individual, Vidya? Well, I, I wanted to answer one thing. Um, the, what drove me to really um, like this company that I worked for were patient-driven. 
our founder has a really amazing story. You should definitely have him on here. His name is Douglas Oliver. Um, we he love had, a recommendation, Adam, don't we? We love a recommendation. We love it. We love it. Yeah. Yes, he is amazing. You definitely should have him on here. Um, he has an amazing story, almost went blind, and it was cured by, you know, um, stem cells, literally. Um, so, and he was part of, you know, um, uh, the Obamacare Act, um, you know, writing some of the guidances and regulations for ARMA designation. He's a phenomenal person. Again, compared to Big Pharma, I am able to make a difference at yeah. a patient level. Yes. Okay. And that's what drives me here. That's what keeps me here. And it's not just the title. It's the drive to make a difference. It's the drive to do good. It's it's the drive to get therapy out there that you may not have access to, you know, working with these, you know, PI generated studies, working with these small biotechs to have a voice in front yeah. of the FDA. And this is what I vision. This is our vision for regenerative outcomes. I do, I do actually identify with that because I, I do support a company that's that work in rare diseases and i have done quite a lot of work in rare diseases and i know exactly what you're talking about with regards to compassionate use one-off drugs bespoke medicine and and where we're getting to with personalized medicine it's all around the the points that you're making which is you know identifying the issue for the individual for the patient and, and changing their lives so I, yes. I absolutely understand where you're coming from and i really appreciate you explaining that position actually because i think it's really helpful to to just qualify that and follow that on most definitely and look, as as we will with all of our guests you know we'll certainly be following up keeping in touch with you via linkedin and, and following your following the progress uh video not to mention if we're ever in miami we'll no doubt be swinging past the restaurant um for sure i look forward to it <laughs> but look before we let we let you go um we like to wrap up the show with a few quick fire questions uh for you um I mean, I think with yourself, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be paying close attention to these. So but to kick us off from, from me, what is the number one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self? Keep going. Don't give up. Don't get frustrated. Um, I think in the past, frustration have really led to um, making bad decisions. And mm -hmm. I think just, you know, not giving up and not being frustrated would be one of the advice I would give myself, my younger self. I like it. Well, it's, it's almost like you've taken that advice, uh, Vidya, <laughs> through, through the years anyway. I'll, yes. I'll follow on with that. Is, is there a particular book that you would recommend our listeners, uh, our followers to, to, look, to look into uh, that you use as a, as, as a rule book for yourself, or are you writing the book right now? <laughs> No, I have read, I can't remember the title. It's um, uh, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I love that book. And um, one of the other books, um, oh my goodness, I'm drawing a blank right now, but um, it has to do with um, the author of The World Is Not Flat. What is, uh, oh my goodness, I'm drawing a blank. Oh my goodness. It's an amazing book about... Um, things are things just doesn't happen because of chance it happens because you put yourself you are in the right place at the right time um steve jobs bill gates they were all there at the right time it did not happen because of chance you know and um i'll i'll message you the book but it's a very very yeah, interesting right book. yeah but look, yes, I've, and, I've recently and, done Rich Dad, Poor Dad myself. And yeah, fantastic book. Just, you know, different values from, you know, the two father figures in, in, in his life. It was, it was fantastic. Yes. And, and one of the things in the book that really captured my attention is that um, some of the smartest people in the world are working for the people with IQs lower than them. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, it's one of the things that captured my attention that you know, having a very high IQ, very educated, um, sometimes we, if we're not given that opportunity to grow, to be leaders, right, we're never going to, to want to, we're never going to be that in our lives. And I think for me, um, I am a middle child. 
<laughs> so I do have a middle child syndrome, um, but um, I think my dad and my mom, especially my mom, was very, very motivated to make something of themselves. You know, they were not raised um, and, you know, privileged. Um, and I think they wanted that for their kids. And they worked very, very hard, sacrificed a lot and um, didn't really get to enjoy the the bet, you know, all the success um, because of, you know, old age and diseases, and, and, you know, that they're going through. But um, seeing me succeed, I think is one of the most, you know, it's one of the things my dad loves. He, he talks about me all the time and it makes me proud that he can see that in me. And, um, you know, it's, it's just, I think that's one of the best moments of my life is whenever I hear him talk about me. Fantastic to hear. And look, I guess we've heard quite a bit about your qualities and, and clearly what your, your dad values in, in you and why he talks about you. Um, but look, what are the top three qualities that you value most when looking to, to build your teams, whether it's at the restaurant, whether it's in pharma, what are the, the values? What do you look for when, when hiring? Initiative. I love people who take the initiative to do things, um, you know, initiate, you know, without having me to say, okay, you do this. I want them to volunteer and say, hey, I'll do this. Oh, why? Oh, thinking outside the box, like showing me um, and not scared of showing me that there's another way because I am, you know, I am not going to know everything, you know, and I mm -hmm. say that all the time in my meetings, guys, feel free to make suggestions. Um, you know, this is a team. I want someone who's part of my team, who, um, you know, who is, who's very outgoing, who is, you know, um, again, someone who takes the initiative to do things. That's the number one quality for me. You don't have to have an extremely high IQ. Um, it doesn't matter of your degree. For me, it's all about how you interact with me. Good to hear. That's fantastic. Um, I don't know how you can answer this question because I just don't think you have any time outside of work. But I do have a question, which is, you know, what's the favorite thing outside of work? Obviously, you've talked about your daughter, but is there anything else that, you know, you're you're particularly interested in or you take joy from outside of your very busy days? <laughs> is there time? Well, I love traveling um, and I love supporting other chefs, especially when I became a chef. Um, I started going to other restaurants and supporting them, even if it's small or big. Um, I really try to stick to like small mom and pop and posting it on social media, going out there and, you know, just, um, you know, trying to find that unity. And, um, and that's one of the things that I love doing is going out and eating and just enjoying life with my daughter and my husband and vacations you know like just going somewhere it doesn't have to be the beach it, you know it can be anywhere just just being there and just you know just detaching from everything else is just a peaceful feeling for me I don't get to do it a lot but you, you, you've got some beautiful places around you I I, I know as, as, as we said off air you know having traveled in and around uh, your locality there's some beautiful islands not far off <laughs> Not far off where you are, aren't they? No, but I do I do have a, a morning routine where I get my coffee and I sit down, I open my blinds and I have like a preserve in the back of my house where there's like a huge tree and it's very, it's, it's nature, you know? And I just sip my coffee and watch the birds and just do nothing and think nothing for like, you know, half an hour, pretty much. And then, you know, start my day, maybe go work out or look at my emails, you know, just peace myself I think I try to peace myself for the day okay this is what we're going to do today <laughs> love it love it and look the final question from from my side is that what would you rate as your number one role in life and in, and in business I love to motivate um I love to lead I've um you know I I, I take the you know I take my motivation and I turn it, I, I try to turn it into something in others, um, you know, regardless of what it is. And even if it's not even in my field, like let's say I have a waiter and they're talking about school or this or that, I love to listen to them. I, I, I feel as if sometimes 
people like to um, talk to people who are they feel are extremely successful right because they feel like you're listening to them and I love doing that I love people talking to me I don't you know shy them away or anything I just I just feel like I can do that all day <laughs> mm-hmm. just come to me talk to me about your problems or your ambitions or whatever and you know if I can give you some advice I would um, but I just I just feel as if that's something that I love doing I like that video and I, I often see a, a quote posted um, about sort of top leaders. When, when you really speak to a top leader, it, they make you feel like you're important. Whereas yes. you know, someone who's mediocre, you feel like they're important. And there's a, there's a difference there. And it seems that you're embracing that. Um, and that's probably why you, you, you're, you know, your trajectory has just been the way it has. Um, so look, I would say, Keep it, keep, just keep doing what you're doing. Don't burn out, however. Uh, <laughs> you know, send me whatever, you know, energy tablets that you, you're using. <laughs> you some of those at, at, at right now. I know that Adam could too. Uh, but look, Vidya, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Um, no doubt that I know that you and I are, are kind of looking to work together uh, outside of the podcast. Um and I'm looking forward to that. I'm sure that Adam would, you know, um, be keen to keep in touch also. Uh, but look, once again, thanks very much for coming Absolutely. on the Huxley Moore's podcast. Have a fantastic rest of your day over in Miami. Thank you, Bode. It was a pleasure being here. I, this was so much fun. Thank you. Good stuff. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time.